You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, Bengals fans, how's it going? It's Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Happy to have you joining us despite the result that we saw in week 10 where the Cincinnati Bengals got, quite frankly, ran off of Heinz Field 36-10. to Unfortunately, the Cincinnati Bengals did not seem to be well-prepared, and there were a lot of things going against them that were also outside of their control as well. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about a tale of the tape and go through some of the stats, key numbers in the game, and whatnot, and go through all of that. Uh, I'm going to try and keep it positive today because uh, I caught a little flack, I guess, for being a little negative on Twitter, for those of you who follow me there. So uh, I'm going to do my best to try and keep things as positive as possible because I guess that's what people need at this moment in time. Uh, Facts, figures, and some realism is probably not what's needed, especially an hour or so after a loss like this. So I'm going to uh, do what I can to be as positive as possible and take what we can from this game and move on. Uh, Bengals lose 36 to 10. It really was a a story of self-inflicted errors, a story of some bad calls not going their way by the referees. Surprise, surprise. And... Of course, uh, the weather, a, a depleted roster because of the COVID situation and because of the, you know, uh, other injuries, all kinds of things that were going against them in this game. Uh, I mean, it's, it, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, the Cincinnati Bengals came out of – this is the thing that really kind of gets me the most about this. And, and I know that there is a lot of – like I said, a lot of – ancillary things that were not in their control that really played against them. You know, some calls when we'll talk about those, some calls by the referees that went against them, the weather. I mean, we've, I, you've probably, if you've watched or heard me uh, in any kind of <laughs> recency, you would have, you would have heard about my emphasis on getting players. who can play well in bad weather when the, when the, uh, you know, when the months get later in the year, because all four of the AFC North, venues are outdoors and all four of the AFC North venues uh, are in areas of uh, kind of some inclement weather. So, I mean, you need to have a quarterback that can weather the storm. Uh, if, you, if you want to use that pun, you got to have a, a good running game, solid blocking, all those things, all these things need to kind of play in your favor when you play in a, a venue like this. And especially when you're on the road against a good team. I mean, that's, that's just kind of what it is, but the, the big thing, I mean, all of those things, like I said, the injuries, the COVID stuff, the 
uh, referees, all of that was outside of their control. You can't really control that kind of stuff. What you what you can control is how you prepare with two weeks of, of time and how you come out of a bye week. And unfortunately, I mean, if, if we're taking this thing at face value, the Bengals did not use their bye week very well. And if you watched the post-game press conference by Zach Taylor, uh, he put the, the blame of the loss on himself and kind of said, this is a coaching issue, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Um, take that for what you will. Uh, you know, I, I think that's also kind of a two-way street type of thing. I think the players need to respond. I think they need to do their due diligence, watch film, whatever they need to do during this time, as well as the coaches do their thing. I mean, the, the Bengals, though, for their part, they didn't have four assistant coaches come with them on this trip because of the COVID situation. So, uh, I mean, that's I, I, that that plays a factor into what's going on and what we saw today as well. Um, you know, you, you just can't sugarcoat that. And you can't gloss over that. There are a lot of factors that played into into today, some outside of their control and some within their control. And I think, you know, maybe how they prepared through the bye week, their game plan, et cetera, um, that, that was not well executed, uh, maybe maybe not even well prepared, but also, you know, when, when you're playing against more than one team, so to speak, it also makes things um, a little bit a little bit difficult. I, I guess we'll go over some statistics first. We'll go there and uh, we'll we'll talk about some of the things there. I think the biggest thing, and please correct me if I'm wrong. I tried to do some some studying and uh, look up some things. I, I don't think the Bengals converted on a third down today. I know it was over ten late in the third quarter. Uh, kind of quite quite honestly, uh, as the game got really out of hand and late, I, I was kind of in and out of. <laughs> the room of, of watching it. And, uh, but, you know, looking at some of the drives, I didn't see any other third down conversions. So, um, you know, I saw some fourth down conversions. Obviously they had the fourth and goal touchdown in the second quarter. That was a biggie, uh, 91 yard drive, a, a really nice statement that you thought would get the team back into the game uh, right there. So you like, you like what you saw there and a nice response, but um, you know, that's, that's really all they kind of hung their hat on. They had a couple of fourth down conversions late in the game. And, uh, you know, it, yeah, there we go. Heroic Teddy, thank you. Um, appreciate that. Uh, 0 for 13 on third downs. You absolutely cannot win. And, and I'll go over these stats too, by the way, guys, because there are a lot of stats that kind of point to, hey, the Bengals had a good day. They were running the ball well. T. Higgins had a 100-yard day. Joe Burrow didn't, didn't you know, uh, throw an interception. There are a lot of things that you go, hey, these are the things when you go into Heinz Field, these are the things that, that you need to get a win. When you go 0 for, 0 for 13 on third downs, uh, and thank you again, Teddy, I appreciate that. Um, I, I figured that was kind of the case. I know I tracked 0 for 10 and then uh, kind of lost track towards the end as the game just kind of got a little out of control there. But, um, again, when I looked at it, the, the drive summaries later um, just to make sure I didn't miss anything there. There was no, there was no third down conversions. You cannot win a football game going over 13 on third down. You can't. And you can, again, attribute that to the weather. You can attribute that to the, uh, you know, the COVID situation and some of the coaches not being there, all of that. But, you know, I, I you know, a lot of these people are, are saying, you know, stop making excuses and blame place blame where it is. Okay. Uh, I mean, Against an eight and no team on their home field, you're not going to win the game going over over 13 on third downs. That's just the the 
the reality. Um, and, and, you know, I love Joe Mixon. I think we all love Joe Mixon. He brings a lot to this team, but the fact that the Bengals, you know, ran for, I think it was close to 150 yards. We'll double check that in just a second. But um, when, when they ran for that much in this game, you know, uh, you, you kind of go, well, I mean, what, what's going on with that situation? Because really only Joe Mixon has been able to get uh, some things going against Jacksonville. Obviously the offensive line and and what they had to put out there was, was kind of a work in progress. A lot of different guys in a lot of different spots. You had Quentin Spain playing right tackle. Um, Alex Redman again in at right guard, but uh, there were some, some issues there. There were some issues across the offensive line and unfortunately just not a clean game by any stretch of the imagination today. So let's get to it. Let's go to the some of the statistics and go through the tales of the tape courtesy of NFL.com. This You can see here on the left, there's a drive summary. We'll talk about that in just a second, but let's focus more in on the right here. If you can see my screen, kind of a pedestrian day from Joe Burrow. A um, little over 50% completion percentage, 213 yards, the touchdown, no interceptions, which is, uh, you know, that's that in itself is pretty impressive, not only against this, this Steelers defense, it's pass rush, et cetera, but also just in the weather and all that kind of stuff. You got to like the fact that he didn't throw an interception. I mean, kind of a running back by committee here. Uh, some of it was in garbage time, mind you, but, uh, and of course you got the 39 yarder from Sean Williams on the fake punt that kind of boosts the stats here, but you had seven for 48 from P Ryan. That's close to a seven yard per carry average. You had eight for 30 by, by Bernard. That's almost a four yard per carry average five for 22 at almost four and a half yards, uh, a carry for Travion Williams. So, I mean, the Bengals were running the ball. Uh, maybe I think some of that was attributed to the fact that the Steelers had kind of a big lead and they were allowing the Bengals to kind of take a little bit of yardage, uh, especially in the second, third quarters, maybe even the fourth quarter there. And then of course the 39 yarder from Sean Williams, but that wasn't really an issue today. I mean, they were, when they ran the ball, they were, they were relatively effective. That was not an issue. And then you see, you go down to the receivers here, T Higgins, seven catches, 115 yards. You got to like that. Here is the biggie though, guys. I mean, you, you see Boyd had kind of a, you know, six catches on eight targets, Auden Tate, um, two catches, 24 yards on four targets, Gio Bernard, four catches on seven targets. Those are, those are supposed to be the high percentage passes passes to, to, to your running backs. Those are the ones you're supposed to complete and even sometimes utilize as a run play to net you five, six yards on an early down. And you can see here, the Bengals were a little over 50% in terms of completions to Gio Bernard. So not ideal there. One catch on two targets by Drew Sample. I kind of thought Drew Sample was maybe going to be due for a big day today. Uh, not really an impact there. Samaj P. Ryan, one catch, seven yards. And then here's the big one, guys. Zero catches on five targets from AJ Green. Um, a, a bunch of different defenders were were kind of guarding him. Joe Hayden was kind of the one. And by the way, if you follow Joe Hayden's and AJ Green's careers, both great careers. Um, I mean, th these are guys that battled it out at Florida and Georgia and college and have carried that into the NFL, both when, with Hayden being on the Browns and the Steelers. Uh, he was all over Green today in a in a good way for the defensive back. He was very active. He also pried one away from Auden Tate uh, I, I, that I saw too. So there, it was a good day from Joe Hayden, who seems to just really, really play well against the Cincinnati Bengals. He's had a little bit of an up and down career, largely solid, but um, you know, he, he has really made his, 
really proven his worth against AJ Green in his career. So zero catches on five targets to AJ Green. Um, that that disparity of catch to target issue remains there. You had the big fumble from Alex Erickson. The Bengals get a stop right away, and Alex Erickson gets a, a decent little punt return there. And as he's going to the ground, the ball gets punched out from behind. He loses that fumble. Not good. T. Higgins loses a fumble as well. So the Bengals were on the not great side of the turnover margin. And, uh, you know, that is not, uh, that is one of the areas that you can, simply cannot lose when you face the Pittsburgh Steelers. You cannot be on the, the losing end of the turnover battle. And unfortunately, the Bengals were so today. This is this right here. When you look at interceptions, they call it, the, you know, there's no interceptions that the Bengals grabbed. I want you to look at some of these here. You see six passes defensed by Von Bell, Tony Brown, Jesse Bates, and Sam Hubbard combined. Quite easily, Sam Hubbard had one right in between his hands that Ben uh, threw to him early in the game, dropped it. Jesse Bates late in the game probably would have been a pick six, dropped it. Uh, and, and there were a couple of others. I think Tony Brown had one late in the, in the game that could have been an interception. There were about three or four opportunities for interceptions in this game, and the Bengals did not capitalize on any of them. It's one thing if you would have got maybe half of them, one of them, what have you. They didn't get any. And these are the types of things that you need to capitalize upon when you are facing an 8-0 team and a team, quite frankly, the Steelers have shown vulnerabilities. And, you know, these are the things you just you can't not capitalize, not to use a double negative there, but you can't uh, fail to capitalize on some of these opportunities that present themselves to change the tide of the game. You just can't. And unfortunately, the Bengals did that. They had opportunities to corral these interceptions and they did not uh, they did not do that. So when you look at this six passes defense from these four guys, it's pretty impressive, but a lot of those were just dropped interceptions, quite frankly. And that's another thing that has to be cleaned up if the Bengals are going to not only make this a respectable season in 2020, but also learn to beat teams like the Ravens and the Steelers. That's that's the bottom line. I put out a tweet earlier about, I mean, the disparity now, uh, I, I think what it was 56 to 10 um, in terms of an outscore ratio from the Cincinnati Bengals in se about seven quarters against the Steelers and Ravens this year, 56 to 10. That obviously got a little bit, uh, th that became a little bit different as the Steelers scored more points here. But the point of, of me, and it ended up being uh now 13 points that the Bengals scored against those two teams, the Steelers and the Ravens this year, but 13 points against the Steelers and the Ravens. Granted, both those games were on the road. Both those teams are very good, but you have Joe Burrow. You've revamped this roster. It, it wasn't even so much that the Bengals lost today. It's just the appearance of the loss. And when I, when I put out that tweet, there was, um, you know, kind of like, well, what does this mean? Or why did you put that out there? That sort of thing. And uh, I mean, really it's just kind of a barometer to show you maybe how far away the Bengals are at this point. And it's a tough pill to swallow. I don't like pointing that out, but that's the reality of the situation. The Bengals lost 27 to three against the Ravens. I'll double check that one, but I'm pretty sure it was 27 to three, a couple of weeks ago, uh, actually about a month ago. And now they lose 36 to 10. 
against the Steelers. You know, I mean, we're talking three touchdowns plus margins in each of these games. I mean, that's if, and I know a lot of people maybe were tempering their expectations for this year based on all kinds of different factors. And I, myself included, I wasn't thinking this was going to be a Super Bowl champion team this year, but what I like to, what I would have liked to have seen is a, a little bit of a better result and a little bit of a closer margin than a 36 to 10 and a 27 to three in those two games. Um, and it's not like those two games were, you know, within the first month of the season. These are games that were week six, week eight, um, or excuse me, week six and week 10. Um, so, I mean, they've had time to prepare. They've had time to get some stuff under their belt. Yes, they've had a lot of injuries. Yes, their cornerback group was depleted for a variety of diff- different reasons. Yes, Geno Atkins um, is going through both an injury and a personal in- uh, issue at this point, and he hasn't really been the old Geno Atkins that we know. A.J. Green, we've talked about that. I know there are a number of factors that we can talk about, but it, it just – this team continues to kind of look like, you know, we, I, I was feeling great about this team and even about this game based on what we saw against Tennessee. And I know I'm considered the negative guy. I know a lot of people think that I like to hate on this team or what have you, but you know, I, I I've, I've watched a lot of, of football and I was feeling, uh, I was feeling pretty good about where the Bengals were after the, the win against the Titans. I felt pretty good. You're coming into a bye. They were getting some guys back then this week kind of snowballed on them in terms of the COVID stuff, the injury stuff, all of that. Um, even so, I just I, I kind of thought this this may be an interesting game. You know, the Bengals will make it at least interesting and and keep it close and uh, pretty disheartening in terms of the the end result here. So, uh, leading tackler Tony Brown, the guy who was pressed into starting duty because of Darius Phillips. Uh, the injury there and LaShawn Sims, the injury there. And then of course, Mackenzie Alexander ended up leaving the game early as well. And we'll we'll show you Ben's stats because he took advantage, full advantage of that. uh, Despite the Bengals dropping a number of interceptions, Jesse Bates, uh, you see there seven tackles and uh, William Jackson was burned a a time or two on Sunday night, Jermaine Pratt, you know, it's just kind of a lot of, uh, and then if you look, if you look throughout, guys, unfortunately, look at the sack column. Zero, 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 zero. I mean, they're not generating pressure. And that is without Geno Atkins. That is without DJ Reader. That is without a lot of guys. But, uh, you know, Sam Hubbard was back this week. Carl Lawson was had a couple of nice plays. But, uh you know, nothing really to fully, you know, write home about. So they're not generating pressure and you're, you're not, if you're going over 13 on, on third downs on offense and you're not generating pressure on defense, you're not going to win the game. Ben Roethlisberger, 333 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. When you looked at the depleted cornerback group by the Cincinnati Bengals, you kind of figured this was going to happen. It was just a matter of if the Bengals were going to be able to play catch up, keep up and surpass the Steelers in terms of points, production on offense, et cetera. James Conner. I mean, that look, this is the other thing that pointed to a Bengals. Uh, if, if you were to tell me that James Conner was going to have 36 rushing yards and a 2.8 average, Benny Snell was going to have 12 yards. And I mean, if you're going to say that Steelers rushed the, for 50 yards in this game, I would have for sure said, oh, that's a Bengals win. For sure. 
even if Ben threw for 300 yards, et cetera. I, I, it, the Steelers love to run the football, and they love to run the football against the Cincinnati Bengals, and they love to do so with a lead. So when, when I see this stat line, you look at it and you go, wow, the Bengals did a great job against the run today. Um, and, and there wasn't a lot of rushing attempts. You see 16 attempts just between Snell and Connor, but I, you know, I think they wanted to exploit the Bengals depleted defense. And I think they wanted to, unfortunately, I hate to say it. I, I think they wanted to wait until the Bengals made their inevitable mistake, take advantage of it and use the passing game to do, to, to make them pay for that. I think that's kind of what, what was a little bit of the, the storyline today. And again, you see James Conner, 13 carries for 36 yards. I would have thought it would have been a much more devastating stat line there. Uh, but the Bengals did a good job in stopping the run today. They really did. Uh, you see Deontay Johnson had a big game. Juju Smith-Schuster had a big game. And of course, Chase Claypool had a big game as well. Well, four touchdowns. That's where uh, Big Ben's four touchdowns went to. One to Johnson, one to Schuster, and one to... Uh, excuse me, two to Claypool. So uh, Eric Ebron ha- only had two catches, but a couple of them, the, the two that he had were very big. Two catches on six targets, by the way. Um, and if you look again, maybe it's weather, but also the Bengals defense kind of for a while were doing what they needed to do to keep this team in the game. You know, it was turnovers on offense. It was the special teams turnovers. It was a lot of different things that were just not uh, working in their favor. And you see, um, you know, 116, 77, 56, 38 uh, from those top targets there. Ebron, his two catches, one definitely was on a third and long that was just kind of a, a floater thing, and that was kind of a backbreaker type of play. So, uh, you know, Big Ben spread the ball around quite a bit today. Uh, it, there was a little bit of an accuracy issue with him as well. I think that was weather-driven, 27 of 46, 330. Uh, 333 yards and four touchdowns, but you know, he's kind of in that 50 ish percent completion percentage range, you know? So, uh, and then you see here, TJ Watt, two sacks, Spillane, a sack, Bud Dupree, a sack. And uh, that one, um, yeah, he's got the tackle for loss there. So, I mean, Usual suspects, four sacks there given up by the Bengals offensive line, which was kind of a shambles there. So that is a little bit of the tale of the tape in terms of what happened with the Cincinnati Bengals. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. I'm going to go over a couple of other things, but in case you're just joining us or joining us for the first time, I'm Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I just want to thank you all for joining us live. If you watch after the fact, et cetera. Um, you know, unfortunately today uh, I've noticed on Twitter, there's been a little bit of vitriol, especially, uh, unfortunately my way for pointing out some, factual information. And, uh, you know, on Friday, I, I just keep kind of going back to Friday when we did our listener questions live episode. And there were a lot of um, really kind comments and everything from a lot of you who watch what we do, listen to what we do regularly. And uh, just want to let you guys know that I cling to that, uh, especially when some of these um, kind of negative or quite frankly, hateful comments come uh, my way, our way on, on social media platforms. So I just want to say thank you to the positive folks out there, even though I may not be the most positive Bengals voice out there. And even though, uh, you know, I may not be your cup of tea, I appreciate the, the support of our programs. I appreciate the support of Cincy jungle. I appreciate the positive comments that you do send our way. Um, much, much appreciated, much appreciated. I'm gonna I'm gonna point out a couple of things that uh, were outside of the Bengals' control, and this is a I'm gonna show you a tweet. Um, I'm gonna pull this up in just a second here. Uh, it's from Paul Daner Jr., who is with the Athletic and formerly of the Cincinnati Enquirer. He relayed a tweet from I believe it was a. Uh, I believe it was from a fan, a fan named Robbie Lewis. Uh, oh, and Robbie follows me. How you doing, Robbie? Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll give Robbie a follow back there. I didn't know he was following me. Um, but I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna share this with you here. And he sent this to Paul Daner Jr. Here, here it is, right here. Watch. Okay, so this is at the this is at the end of the second quarter. The Bengals were down, I believe it was 22 to 7, and had an opportunity to really get back in the game here. They were driving a little bit, had a couple of nice plays. They took a sack at one point, so they, it drove them out of field goal range and scoring range and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Burrow drops back to pass. This is kind of, I think this was after the sack. Burrow drops back to pass. And rolls out. Obviously, get let's go with the ball. Dupree hits him as he's going out of bounds. Runs him into the bench. Let's watch it one more time. Now, it's a little bit of a bang-bang play, but he lets go of the ball. And you would kind of think that number one overall pick, quarterback, big name in the NFL, would get this call. He doesn't. Okay? So... He does not get that call and the Bengals and that roughing call 
had he gotten it, would have at least given the Bengals an opportunity to get some points right before halftime, would have put them right in field goal range, would have put them right in, you know, potentially striking distance for a touchdown that would have made the game a lot more interesting going into halftime. And then the Bengals get the ball back at the start of the third quarter. So, I, you know, I, 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 I kind of wonder, we, we always say the Steelers always get the calls, always get the calls. And you see an example like that and you go, how, how is that one missed? Okay. I, I'll try and pull up the video if I can see it, but there was a point in the game in the third quarter, the Bengals were clinging to life. Again, I think it was still 22 to nine, third and long, third and nine. Burrow hits Boyd on the sideline. Boyd bobbles the ball a bit, corrals it as he's going out of bounds, gets his left foot down and taps his right toe. It was called incomplete on the field. And from there, they reviewed it. Zach Taylor challenged it. And unfortunately, they did not uh, they kept, they over, uh, they upheld the ruling they made on the field in terms of, uh, you know, it being an incomplete pass. It was close, probably would have been called either way. I mean, I think if they called it complete and the Steelers challenged it, it probably would have been remained complete. It was kind of one of those things where it's like, well, how we called it on the field is probably, but it was a pivotal moment in the game. And it was a call that could have gone the Bengals way and did not. Um, it was, one of those one of those moments where you go, wow, I mean, that's that's kind of a critical moment and, and that call's not going their way. One play later, the Bengals punt the football. The Steelers receive the ball. The Bengals special teams forces a fumble. I think it was Benny Snell on that one as well. I'll have to double check. Or may, uh, maybe it was somebody else. I'll have to um, double check on that. Oh, you know what? I think it was Ray Ray McLeod. I think it was Ray Ray McLeod who fielded the punt and he's going forward. He's going into a pile, not down. The ball goes out. Bengals recover, but they whistled the play dead. Another tide turning play when the game was still in reach that the Bengals, you know, the refs kind of snaked one out from under them. And, I don't I don't like to pull the ref card. I really, really don't. But there are just kind of some blatant things where you go, man, that's just that's taking the football right out of these guys' hands. And and I don't, you know, I know we can blame Zach Taylor. Joe Burrow had a pedestrian performance today. They were over 13 on third downs. I mean, there are a lot of things that they needed to do that they did not get done. And and I still maintain that the loss is on the Bengals, their coaching staff, et cetera, because of what, you know, because of what I just said a lot of the stat lines right there, but I mean, when you have the ball being taken away from you in, in in these scenarios and these calls not go your way at critical moments, you have to kind of wonder, wow, I mean, what, what could have been, I don't think that the Bengals would have won this game, even with, if they got all those calls, if they got some of them, I don't think they would have won the game, but I think it would have been a lot more interesting. And I think, I think we would have been feeling maybe a little bit better about where things are with the Cincinnati Bengals right now and, and what we saw in week 10. Um, you know, I, I'm seeing, I'm seeing a lot of, uh, a lot of comments about, 
<laughs> this is, uh, I think it's Ashagwe Ash 64, but um, yeah, the, the Redmond hole. There was a couple of plays by Redmond today that unfortunately, you know, um, he had kind of been playing a little bit better. And today uh, some of his issues kind of popped up the holding penalty. And then um, he gave up a sack late as well. Uh, just, you know, not a great game from him, but I guess you could also point to the, you know, some of the rushing yards as well. And that's, that's something that they like out of him. They're able to generate whatever we say about Alex Redmond there. The Bengals are able to generate some semblance of a rushing game behind Alex Redmond at right guard and whatever the rest of the offensive line. I mean, that that's kind of a reality. You can go back to the end of 2018 when the running game started to resurge after not doing much of anything throughout the rest of the year. And then he came in and started at the end of that year, same thing at the end of 2019. And then, you know, you can look to a couple of games so far this year and the Bengals have been able to run the ball when Alex Redmond's in there. But the problem is it's, it's actually kind of a problem across the offensive line, whether it's Bobby Hart or Alex Redmond, there's a lot of passable plays in terms of grade grading a play. There are a lot of like, Hey, okay, nice play. A couple nice plays in there. A lot of passable grade plays in terms of how, how, what they do. But unfortunately when they make an error, it is like such an egregious error that it ends up being in a catastrophic play. It's not like, Hey, I missed a block, but Burrow still got the throw off and it was just incomplete. It's like a huge sack. It's a sack fumble. It, I mean, it's, it's when they make a mistake, it's film worthy. And, you know, unfortunately, that's just kind of the nature of how they play offensive line and, and kind of the ebbs and flows of their careers, Bobby Hart and Alex Redmond. That's just kind of the thing. Bobby Hart has been playing better. He's been playing some of his best football before getting injured against the Titans. But, you know, w- w- there's like those one or two instances in a game where those guys let up a bad play and it's like catastrophic. Um and unfortunately, we saw a little bit of that against Alex Redmond. And against poorer teams, you, they can get away with that and, and get away with, get you know sneak away potentially with a win. Not um, not so much the case uh, today. So anyway, guys, uh, I, I you know I, I'm trying to be positive here. I'm not trying to slam anybody because you know I got a lot of caught a lot of heat today about, um, you know, being negative and all kinds of stuff. So, you know, uh, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to say that this is not a desired result. I wish the Bengals would have had a better showing, especially out of a buy, but I understand I do uh, legitimately, despite some of the ancillary noise I've been receiving, I do understand why the Bengals had as poor of a showing in some ways as they did the COVID stuff, the injury stuff, the coaches not being there, all of that. I mean, I, I, I under the weather, I understand all of that, but you know, at some point, if you're the Bengals, you got to rise above. And unfortunately today and a couple of weeks ago against the, the Baltimore Ravens, it kind of did show how wide the chasm is between the Bengals and those teams that constantly rule the, the AFC North. The Bengals have some work to do. Uh, I think they're going to, I do think they're going to rattle off some wins I, I, I think they're going to beat a lot of these teams that maybe aren't as strong towards the back end of their schedule. I am curious about the Miami game. Miami's starting to turn it on a little bit. Tua played pretty well today. I am curious about that Miami game, but there seems to be a lot of winnable games on the back end of their schedule. The Giants, the Washington football team, and the Cowboys who appear to be a mess. And, you know, a lot of these 
games. And, you know, I, I think you can, you can look at that as in two different ways. I think you can look at potential wins there as, is this fool's gold or are the potential wins something to kind of say, Hey, we're building momentum. We're, we're not quite with the Baltimore Pittsburgh level of teams quite yet, but another off season of added talent and we'll be right there. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I, I think the Bengals have their quarterback, so that's good. But, uh, you know, they got to shore up some other things. Again, a lot of things pointed to a potential Bengals win today. The, the running game disparity between the teams was a big one. Um, you know, Joe Burrow not throwing an interception, that was a big one. But, uh, unfortunately, the Cincinnati Bengals, they, their, their pass defense was just depleted from a number of different standpoints in, in personnel and – you know, unfortunately, they just the O for thirteen on third downs is that that pretty much says it all. Pretty much says it all. So, uh, well, guys, um, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit speechless after this one. I know it's late for a lot of you, and I appreciate you all tuning in. I appreciate you all who watch what we do here. Not only just not just me, but a lot of different faces and names that you see on cincyjungle.com. We all appreciate it from us to you. We appreciate the support that you give all of our shows and our website. Uh, We do this. We really truly do this for you. Uh, We really try and bring you a lot of great coverage and bring you opinion and emotion and analysis and data and all of that. We do that for you guys. So um, we just appreciate your support. We appreciate you guys tuning in and um, Hey, we'll see you. We'll see you next week. We've got a lot coming up. This coming week, we've got the Monday News Jump. We've got a Wednesday night show on the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, a deep dive show. Um, we're going to probably do some more listener questions live again on Friday. And then, of course, we've got the pregame show by Narragansett Beer. So join us for that. And uh, we'll also have Orange is the New Black, the New Stripe City, City podcast. That'll be on our channel. So check out what those guys do, Ace and Zim. Check out Chalk Talk with Matt Minnick. And, hey, I appreciate appreciate your support, guys. This was a tough one, but um, is what it is, and hopefully greener grass ahead, right? Take it easy, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, what's left of it, and we'll see you this week. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more strengthen security posture, and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. 
It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.